Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Baum of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to be back with you today after a beautiful uh, and nice uh, holiday weekend. I hope everyone had a great time this past weekend with your family and worshiping the Lord Jesus and doing ministry and all the other good stuff that we do as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be back in the in the saddle, so to speak, here at the Word of God. And appreciate everyone that's, that's joined with us today as well. And some of you guys that were out, I know uh, Brother Steve was out several times last week, uh, jury duty and whatnot, but good to have you back and good to have uh, Pastor Meredith from uh, Fairfield been with us the last several days. Good to have you, my brother, and different ones that are on here as well each and every morning. If you're joining us for the very first time, uh, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. We are doing an expository teaching on the book of Romans, and I believe this is class number 60, help me, Deb, 65, class number 65. But if you have not had uh, the opportunity to sit in with us on any of the classes, uh, do not fear because they are made available to you online by going to our website at www.biggrace.com and clicking on Raven Institute. You can go there or the daily classes, you can go to our website, biggrace.com, and click on Raven Magazine, and the daily classes are available there in the afternoon time. And so you can uh, go on there and get them as well. So appreciate everyone joining with us. If you want more information on the ministry, you can also go to that website. Also, don't forget, today is Tuesday. If you're watching this live, and we have our Raven Nation program this evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with our teams gathering literally from across the country. So it would be great to have you for a time of worship and word and uh, all kind of neat stuff on Tuesday nights. We'd be glad to have you. It would be great to have you tonight on the Raven Nation. And we'd love to have everyone there with us tonight as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and dive into the Word of God today and just watch what the Lord Jesus does. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to come and to know you in a deeper way. Father, I just pray for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, all across this nation and Canada, Lord God, and literally to the four corners of the world. And we just thank you, Lord God, that we have an opportunity to come together to share your word, Lord God, to lift up the name of Jesus, Lord God, to declare your righteousness and your holiness and your power. And we just ask today, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that you just reveal yourself through your word and by your Holy Spirit. Lord God, where we struggle to, to comprehend or to understand, Lord God, and many times even to, uh, to, to, to be able to, to, to have a, a recollection of your word and just to remember things. Father, I pray, Lord God, for the mind of Christ for each one today. Father, that we would have your mind, Lord God, that we could prove out what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, cause our, our minds and our hearts, Lord God, and our understanding, Lord God, to be enlightened, Lord God, and to be quickened by your Holy Spirit today. Lord God, just reveal yourself and show us, Lord God, your heart, Lord God, and your desire for us through your word. Father, I pray for each one today, Lord God, that, uh, that, that, that may have issues in their life or struggles or even uh, sicknesses, Lord God. We pray for their healing and their restoration. We just continue to lift up... Uh, Pastor Rudy and Lori's son, Anthony, Lord God, who's just trying to battle back from sickness in his body. We just ask for a miracle, Lord God, in this young man's life. And others, Lord God, that are struggling, but just need a, a, a victory, Lord God, for healing. We thank you, Lord God, that, the, the, that Jesus paid the price for that healing upon the cross of Calvary. And Lord God, we just ask that in the name of Jesus, that through our faith in you, Lord God, and through your great love and mercy, that you just appropriate that healing, Lord God, upon each and every one of our lives. Let's ask for your ministry here, Lord God, and your word, Lord God, to be just 
uh, clear, Lord God, and, and direct and concise to us. We just ask, Lord God, that you would lead and guide us into all truth by your precious Holy Spirit. We submit ourselves to you, Lord God, just ask that you search our hearts today and just do a work of restoration, healing, and a work of repentance in each one of our lives that we, Lord God, can be examples of Christ Jesus to the lost and dying world. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, somebody commented on our, past, our picture. Our picture is better. We are back going, using our broadband connection, which I broke a couple weeks ago. And so I've been waiting on a, a new one to be delivered. So I've got it hooked up right here on the computer. So hopefully our sound and our picture are going to be kind of top-notch. And you'll see the, the resolution and everything ought to be just wonderful. So hopefully you're getting a, a better picture if you're watching it live, if you're listening to the recording later that you, uh, you're recording. I don't know how good I'm looking, but... Uh, I appreciate your your vote of confidence. I don't, yeah, I don't know if a better picture is a good thing or a bad thing. Now you got to look at this mug and all of its uh, uh, high definition. So praise God for that. He said, "Beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news," but he didn't say anything about the face. So y'all's gonna have to find me something on that. So maybe uh, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so last week, guys, as we closed out last week, and you know, quick testimony: we did not have a class on last uh, Friday. Because I mentioned I had a, a doctor's appointment that I had to go to at 8.30 and would not have been able to get back in time. But I went and, uh, you know, I've been taking uh, some medications for um, diabetes. And, man, my medication has been just like nearly $400 a month. Praise God, I'm off of all that expensive medication. The medication that I'm on now is costing me about $50 every three months. And so I appreciate everyone's praying. So 50 bucks every three months is nothing. And so praise God for that. And I'm just believing Jesus that uh, pretty soon it's going to be zero for no month because I'm not going to need any of it. But thank God for His uh, His uh, uh, mercy and His healing and all of your prayers that have stood with me on that for that good testimony that came out of that doctor's visit. So praise be unto Jesus. Uh, last week we closed out our class really in kind of the midst of a uh, discussion uh, of the last half of verse 3 of Romans chapter 6. And we're going to kind of just pick up right where we left off before... Uh, Continuing on to the next uh, verse, because uh, I, I believe this is something, you know, especially knowing uh, what some of you folks are, are enduring and have, have endured and continue to endure for the cause of Christ. Uh, you know, I think this is so important to, to get a grasp of this, uh, because, you know, in the day and age in which we live and what we're combating in relationship to our adversary, maybe you've got to have an understanding of what God is doing in the midst of these things. Otherwise, what happens, it's easy to become a. Distracted, it's easy to become discouraged, sidetracked, and just caught up in all the things that the world or life circumstances even many times offer. And so I'm going to read verses 1, 2, 3, and we're just going to pick up right where we left off last week. If you were not here last Thursday, you can go on and get that. You need to grab a hold of that and download that in MP3 format and listen to last Thursday's message because I believe it will be really enlightening to you and hopefully very encouraging uh, in relationship to just grabbing a hold of the victory God has for us. But he says in verses 1, 2, 3, he said, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, God forbid, obviously. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Uh, do you not know that so, as many of us that were baptized unto Jesus Christ uh, were baptized unto his death? And so if you'll remember last week's folks, when we talked about this baptism, it differed from the typical baptism and that it utilizes the Greek word baptisma rather than the word baptismo. And the difference literally in the, uh, in the English spelling is just one ends with an A and one ends with an O. But the baptisma, or this type of baptism that we've been talking about, uh, I mentioned last week, is more akin to the dipping of iron into the refiner's fire and then into water in order to change both the properties 
of it by burning away the dross or impurities and then into the water in order to change its environment, in order to change its composition. And so when he talks about we've been baptisma or baptized unto his death, literally what he's talking about is, listen, I put you in a fire to burn up the impurities, to, to remove anything that would cause you to be fragile, to be brittle in your faith, or anything that would cause uh, anything about you to, uh, to have an impurity in it that on the day of judgment that this would not stand. But not only that, I'm putting you in that fire, but immediately I'm going to drop you into the water. Water is a type of the Word. It's a type of the Holy Spirit as well. In order to, to change and solidify your properties and to change the composition and the environment in which you are. Folks, everything that, that, that happens in our life, that God allows to come into our life, you know, First Peter talks about uh, not, uh, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial. All those things are done not to, uh, not to destroy us, but to change the composition of who we are, to, to refine us and to make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. What His desire for us is to be like Him. And so anything that's in our life, He's going to put, it in, put us into an environment that's going to expose those things that we can deal with them. What the, the, the bad thing is, is when God begins to, to expose those things, rather than deal with those, we, we tuck those things away or we just run from the presence of God. And as a pastor for many years and uh, preaching the gospel and dealing with, with people in congregations for years and years and years, you know, I've seen that so many times that you know, the Holy Spirit reveals something to someone and rather than saying, God, I just want you to burn those things up, that way I'll be more like you. You'll see people leave churches. You'll see people get offended. You'll see people get upset. Uh, you know, walk away from the, the body of Christ because they don't want that thing to be burned up out of their life. Folks, listen, we need to sing like that old song in the 70s. Burn, baby, burn, you know. Man, because everything that can be shaken needs to be shaken. And everything that is not of Christ Jesus... I would rather it to be burned up now than have to face a, a certain fiery indignation on the day of judgment because I refuse to repent for my sins and, and have to face those things for eternity. Folks, the time to, to be ignited, the time to be burned, the time to be tried in, in, in the fires and the furnace of affliction is right now in our life. And I believe that's what a lot of things that we, we suffer and we see happening are the result of. And so this... Uh, this, 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 this fire that we talked about last week, and we're going to continue on today in this, this baptism or this submerging into, into the, 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 the baptism of fire, is not only serves to, to purify, but literally to solidify you. And, you know, I, have a, I, I gave a couple of instances uh, uh, last week of where the, this type of fire is seen, and I want to give you a couple more before we move on to the next verse. You'll remember I talked about last week about Genesis chapter 19, verses 24 through 25. And uh, if you weren't here, that's talking about um, Lot's wife when, when God sent fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah to, to burn out that place. And you know, just a, a remnant. Just very few people were, were saved from that. But the problem with Lot's wife was, and you all remember, that Lot's, Lot's wife looked back upon that city. And I think what happens so many times in our Christian walk it's the same type of thing. You know, God says, I want you to uh, come out from among those things. Be, be separate. Don't touch the unclean thing. But we're always gazing over our shoulders, so to speak, uh, uh, figuratively, looking at what was and wondering, you know, what, what, what have I left behind? And it's really not unlike the children of Israel when, when they came out of Egypt. They were always, you know, desiring after the flesh pots of Egypt. You know, you brought us out here to kill us. We were better off there. Folks, listen, regardless of what you're going through right now as a believer... You will never be better off going back into the world. The world has nothing to offer you. You cannot uh, put your hand to the plow and look back and expect God to, to honor that. And uh, 
what you've got to do is say, God, regardless of what I'm going through now, it's just temporary, it's temporal, because you've got something so much more glorious for me on the other side. Now, if you want to grab a hold of your treasure now uh, and, and obtain everything that this life has for you now and go to hell for eternity, He gives you the opportunity to do that. He gives you, he gives you the, the choice to do that. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, because the consequences obviously are eternal. The thing about it is now is, is, is be willing to go through the fire today. That way you can experience His glory tomorrow. So I give the example of Lot's wife, that type of fire that, comes, that, that purges out the, the unclean things. But if we look back into our past and hold on to those things with some type of a, a affection, then we're going to get sucked right back into those things, same things. The second one I gave you was Exodus uh, chapter 3, verses 1-5. through five. When Moses was there watching the, the sheep for his, uh, his uh, father-in-law Jethro, and he began to see this uh, uh, burning bush. And as he approached that fire, uh, the, the word of the Lord came to him and said, God, I am, and you need to remove your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. And so kind of what I, what I shared with you last week, and you probably got this in your notes. If you don't, go back and read it. Uh, read your notes or listen to the last week's uh, MP3 on that. The first fire came to save, and the second one came to sanctify. And so when, when God sent the fire upon uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, it's a type of salvation. He sent to deliver them out of that place of wickedness. And when Moses came to the, the, to the, the mountain and saw the, the burning bush, it was sent to sanctify him or to call him out and to set him apart for another task that God had. So the next instance of this fire I want to show you today is also in the book of Exodus. And it's in the 13th chapter, verses 21 through 22. Exodus 13, 21 through 22. And uh, I think you're going to really see something in this too, and, and hopefully something you it's really you'll, find, you'll see the, the, how applicable it is to, to your life, especially folks that are in ministry and, and you guys that are doing ministry in other countries that are a part of this through your your classes. I, I know you you suffer many things and a, a lot more hardships than we do here in North America. And so I, I hope that you can relate to this and you'll see how God is using even the circumstances that you find yourself in for this. And it says in Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 through 22. And it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way. And it says, By night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and by night. And it says, He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And so, folks, when God had Moses who had just experienced that, uh, that, that literally his own personal baptism of fire and the, uh, of sanctification at the burning bush, uh, when he had called him to lead the children of Israel out of uh, the Egyptian captivity, which was a type of salvation, keep that in mind too as we're talking about this, what he gave them uh, during this time that they were in the wilderness was this pillar of cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. And what it was there for is to serve as their guide uh, through the wilderness. They had an experience that ended up being stretched into 40 years because of their, their rebellion against God and their, their unbelief. But what that pillar of cloud and pillar of fire was for, it was to be a guide to them, is to direct them. And so I think it's interesting that the composition of the pillar uh, changed from that or a cloud. And you know, you think of a cloud uh, or a pillar of cloud even as something somewhat benign. It's something that's kind of untouchable. You can put your hand through a cloud. If you're in an aircraft, you can fly through a, a cloud. And, and even if it's got rain in it, it's, it's, it still come, comes across as somewhat benign. And so uh, that, that, that cloud during the daytime uh, 
was something, but but when it changed at night, it became something that had to have been a tremendous spectacle as a pillar of fire in the midst of the, of the nighttime. And so this pillar, folks, I want you to get this picture. A pillar is just something extended. It's like a, you know, just a pillar. It's, a, it's an extension. It's like a line. It's like a, uh, what's another word for a pillar? Uh, like a rod or something that just extends up into the, to the heavens. A cone or a, a column. Yeah, a column is a good word for it. And so what it was is this pillar came out of the midst of the tabernacle of God. And when it moved, uh, this pillar and the tabernacle, immediately they packed up and they moved with it. And so they weren't going to sit there when the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire moved and say, you know what, we got real comfortable in this. Folks, we, we talk about so often here on this program, and really you have to when you're talking about doctrine, and you're uh, contrasting it with what much is being preached out of pulpits and over television and radio today. What is happening in many places and many churches is the, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire have moved on, but the people have stayed camped in that same spot. They have not moved. They have not heeded the, the directive of the Holy Spirit. And so what they do is they, they continue to try to work off of and, and, and try to uh, draw from an old source. And they say, you know what, God was here and God did this and give me that old time religion and everything else. A friend of mine called me the other day and he's visiting a, a, a local church where he lives and uh, that he hadn't been to in a while because he's not living in that town. And I asked him, I said, so what's happening? And this is a church that I, I personally know the pastor and several people that go to the church. And he said, you know what, I didn't really know anyone there this, this trip. He said, and it seemed like everyone that was there was not very excited. And he said they were all up in age, the people that were left. And, you know, it's, it, that's kind of a sad commentary, you know, because this is a church that, you know, was very alive and very uh, uh, outgoing and, and doing some type of things. But it's almost like the pillar of cloud has moved on and the pillar of fire has moved on. But the people have, have stood there and they've encamped and they say, you know what, this is a good piece of ground we think we'll be there. Folks, listen, none of us can stay and maintain that type of thing. If you think that you can get by with the level of Christianity today that you had yesterday, you're in for a rude awakening. You've got to come to the place where you're saying, God, I need something fresh and I need something new on a daily basis. God, you've got to bring a, a, a freshness and, and, a, and a willingness to obey you moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, and everything that you called me to do. Because what happens when we get comfortable in that place we, we totally miss the, the place that God has for us. And sometimes we may think it's, man, God, really, what are you doing? Just let me get comfortable here. And, but we come into this spiritual redundancy, and it just becomes the same thing over and over again. And we need to be willing, when, when, when God's uh, pillar of cloud or pillar of fire get up and move, that, man, we are packed and going with what God is doing at that very moment. I, I know for myself, and especially in ministry, you know what, I don't, I don't get bound by the traditions of men or what someone else's expectancy is of me. You know, I know pastoring in Texas for many years, you know, we did things and, you know, things were going great and God was moving and God was blessing, etc., etc. And we were seeing the fulfillment of many of the things that God had promised. But when God told Melly and I to, to leave there and to go to New Orleans for that period of time, the three years that we were there, you know, we had no problem obeying Him because we wanted to maintain being in the presence of God. We had enjoyed a, a tremendous environment. But, but we knew that when, when God was saying get up and do something else, had we not done that, we'd have sat there on old ground and uh, we'd probably been better off just digging ourselves a grave because we'd have been walking in the deadness of the call rather than the life of the vision that God has given us. And so I think that it's comforting as we see this, uh, that the people packed up and moved, it's comforting to know that in the midst of our darkest times, that He will make the biggest spectacle in order to lead us to the places that He has set before us. 
Sometimes your fire, folks, and I want to say this to you, your fire is the only guide that you have in the darkest and most desperate of your life's situations. And you may think to yourself right now, and I don't know all your situations, obviously they're listening to this, but, but you're thinking, man, I'm really going through some difficult times. But folks, in the midst of it, he's going to make the biggest spectacle. And, and you think to yourself, man, I'm, I seem like things are going so bad. It seems like everything. Maybe that's just God getting your attention and saying it's, it's time to move. God's getting your attention and saying it's time to obey the directive and the, the, the pillar of fire is on the move and you need to move with it. Maybe the, the, the reason it's such a spectacle is God is saying you weren't listening to the subtle things that I was giving you. And so I'm shaking things up. That way I've got your attention and you're just, you'll be willing to be obedient. The, the sad thing about it is, folks, is every one of us to some degree... Or, particular parts of our times in our life, we've been like that. God wants to move us subtly. He wants to just tell us, listen, here's what I want you to do. And uh, we say, well, God, just hush just for a minute. I don't really want to hear you. I've got other things to do. And uh, we, we're just non-responsive to the voice of God. Then God will send something like a pillar of fire into our life to wake us up and to cause us to just be more uh, inclined uh, to follow what He's saying. And so, folks, I want to say this to you today. is the fire saves, the fire sanctifies but the fire also guides. And so if you're saying to yourself, you know, listen, I need, I need God's fire to, to come and to save me. I need to sanctify me. I need to guide me. God will do that. Uh, we got somebody coming on uh, by the name of Bravis who said he needs God's uh, help. Brother, listen, we're, we're here today, and, and we'll be glad to answer your questions. What I, God's help is here, and what you're going to find is through His Spirit and through His Word. And I encourage you to stay on just for a little while. Well, we we got about a half hour of our, our Bible study class. And... Uh, God will do something. Uh, but, you know, if it's just being silly... Hold on just one second. God can't help you. You're now booted. Okay. Anyway, we helped him. Now he can go open whatever he wants to open. But what you're going to find is that God saves, God sanctifies, and God also guides in whatever situation you're in. Now, folks, I want you to look at the Scripture today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. And it says, Yes... All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So that's a, that's a promise to you. You may not like the promise, but that is your promise. That if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. And so my question is to you today, have you been getting persecuted lately? Have you found yourself persecuted? If there's an absence of persecution, it could be deducted that there is an absence of living godly in Christ Jesus. Now folks, when I say to live godly in Christ Jesus, I'm not just talking about finding yourself uh, absent from doing uh, wickedness. If you're finding yourself uh, just doing bad things, you say, well, I'm not, I'm not out drinking, I'm not out uh, committing adultery, I'm not, not out doing anything else wicked. It, I'm, I'm not talking about that, living godly. I'm talking about living godly. Your, your life is, ex- is exemplary. Your life is a testimony of, of walking in Christ Jesus. It's not just keeping yourself isolated from certain situations. It's not just avoiding uh, uh, doing anything that would give any semblance of impropriety. But to live godly is, is to do the things that God would have you to do. And, and so you're thinking, if you say to yourself, well, listen, I, I don't, I'm not suffering any persecution. I'm a good person. I'm taking care of my family. I'm working a job. And, but that's just, that, no, that's not living godly. That's just living. That's just living a, a, a nice moral life. There's people that, that do not know Jesus that can live that type of life and do those type of things. To live godly is to obey God. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. 
It's doing the commands of God, and the commands of God is to love your neighbors yourself, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. It's to, to worship God with, with, with that reckless abandon. It's to tell other people about Jesus. And so if you find yourself doing those type of things, what you're going to find is yourself suffering persecution. Now I want to give you the Greek definition of that word persecution. That word persecution is to be hotly pursued and harassed by someone or something. And so if I'm living godly in Christ Jesus, or I'm going through a type of fire in my life, what's going to happen is I'm going to find myself hotly pursued and harassed by someone. There's going to be a harassment that's coming upon my life. And you may, you know, some of you may be listening and say, man, that sure is not a welcome thing. That sure is not what I want. Folks, it really is what we should desire. Because I, I tell you what, the body of Christ, if you look throughout the Word of God in church history, we function at a higher level. We function in more function in more power. We function in more holiness. We function in more victory when we function in the midst of persecution, in the midst of being hotly pursued by our adversaries. When did the children of Israel cross uh, uh, the Red Sea? As they were being hotly pursued by their adversary. And, and you'll see even in the, in, the, in, the, in the first century church and in early church history, when, where the church operated in power and they began to see the, the great miracles of the, of, of, of the Holy Spirit, it's when they were in pursuit and when they were being greatly persecuted. And so, folks, listen, what we do, we need to walk a walk that puts us in a situation and, and, and uh, positions us for persecution. And when I say persecution, I'm not saying you go put yourself in a situation where you're bad-mouthing people and you're getting people mad. That's not the type of persecution that I'm talking about at all. You know, there's a difference between being, being bold and being belligerent. You know, those that are in Christ Jesus are bold. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And so there's a difference between being bold and being belligerent, and there's a difference between just being right and being righteous. What God wants is a bold, bold righteousness to come out of our life. And where you're going to find the manifestation of that is walking in holiness and walking in obedience to the thing that God has for us. And so, but what you're going to find in many of your testimonies of this, that some of the, the darkest and mo most difficult times in the life of the believer are during the, the times of great uh, uh, persecution. That it's easy to get your, your eyes off of those, uh, the goodness of God and the victory that God has for us. But these are the times in which it appears that, that all around us has, has faded to black. Your, your hopes, your dreams, your vision, your, your ministry, your aspirations. Literally, how many times have you said to yourself that they've all been kind of engulfed by, by this darkness of your plight? That you know, you, you know you love God, you know you desire, but it's almost like all of those things have been engulfed by your plight. But right, folks, in the middle of all of it, there is something that is really happening. And you may be at that point where it's just the, it's that, that darkness before the dawn. But if, if you'll hold on and you'll believe God in the midst of that fire and that baptisma by fire that we're talking about, as the sun begins to literally set upon your situation and you're seeing less and less clear by the moment, in the midst of your encampment, coming from that little, that tiny little tabernacle in the midst of where the presence of God abides in your life, there's a change that will start taking place. But you've got to maintain your focus upon what God has said rather than what you've seen. And as the sun, so to speak, uh, figuratively begins to set lower and lower in, in the sky and the light begins to fade and the cloud begins to, to be engulfed by the, 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 the darkened skies, something starts to take place. And what it is is those fiery embers begin to flicker in the midst of that cloud. 
You know, he said he'll give a pillar of cloud by day, and it's benign. And folks, in the daytime, you know what, when things are going good and, and everything's rosy and it seems like we can see everything clear, all you need is the, the benign nature of the cloud. But as the sun begins to fade and even that cloud begins to go away, God says, listen, I've not left you without a comforter. I've not left you comforters. I've sent one that's not just going to abide with you, but he's going to be abiding in you. In the midst of that, it may, it may even be subtle at first in your life or in your, your circumstance, there, 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 there's something that begins to, to multiply and those embers in the presence of God, that, that, that flickering fire of the Holy Spirit begins to multiply surely and that light begins to, 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 to press out the darkness that you're facing. And so what happens is before long your encampment is completely surrounded by night but in the midst of that pitch black darkness there's a glorious light in the, in the midst of your heart and the assurance of the things that God has for you. And folks, that is the benefit of the baptism of fire. Even though your encampment, even though everything about you is dark, right in the middle of it all there's the light of the Holy Spirit. There's that assurance and that... that that confidence and just like Jeremiah said it's like a fire that's shut up in my bones there's something that is burning inside of me and it doesn't matter if anyone else sees it anyone else hears it anyone else is able to comprehend it there's something inside of me that, that, is, that is lighting the, 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 the darkness and, and I can see through those type of things folks we talk about all the time that his word is a lamp unto our feet it's a light unto our path it is that, 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 that glorious illumination that, that pierces through our lack of understanding and it brings a revelation of who God is. And folks, that's where it happens. And, and the light can only be known and, and realized when there is darkness. And so if you're wondering, man, why is God so, giving so much darkness? Why is my circumstances? And why is it just seems like things are falling apart? So God can reveal His light. The light is, is never more glorious, but in the, in the darkest of dark. So when he turns that light on, boom, you begin to see God was there the whole time. He was just waiting for the right opportunity to manifest itself. And see, it may seem tough to you, but your enemies that watch you from afar off, they literally tremble at the sight of your fire. When I, I was in Bible college many, many years ago, I remember an old school evangelist came and spoke to us. And he said something. He said, you know what? He said, my bit of advice to you, if you don't remember anything else, he said, just get on fire for God and he'll come watch you. they'll come watch you burn. And folks, listen, that's what they want. You know, you get on fire, you allow the fire, that baptism, that submersion into the fires of God, and people will come and watch you burn. They'll watch you because they'll, they'll want to see the, the effects of the fire of God in your life. You know, me and Melanie, we used to be bad when we first got married. We didn't have a whole lot of money or ways to go and do entertainment. So anytime we'd hear a fire truck, man, we'd jump in the car and we'd go chase it because we want to go watch the fire. And we'd go set and we'd want to see what was going on and see what structure was being engulfed in flames if everybody was okay. And we'd go there. We'd, we'd, we'd kind of like ambulance chasers, but we was chasing fire trucks. One was going down the road, man, we'd do a quick U-turn and we was in hot pursuit. We wanted to see if we saw smoke on the horizon. Man, we were driving. We wanted to see what was on fire. And folks, that's the, that's the way the fire is. <coughs> fire is, is, is an attractive thing to people. It, it's like it, it draws, you know, you take a, a campfire and a moth will be drawn to the fire. Everything's drawn to the fire. And so if you're in the midst of a situation, God has called you to preach the gospel. God has called you to, to, to the work of the ministry or, or whatever it is. And you're saying, you know, God, how's my voice going to get heard? Your voice is going to get heard in the midst of your fire. Think about the, the books that we love to read. We love to read stuff like Fox's Book of Martyrs. What do we want to read? We want to read about their fire. We like to read about uh, uh, 
Jesus freaks, uh, which is the modern version of, uh, and we like to see about the persecuted Christians in China and, and people that went through things for the cause of Christ. We like to read and, and watch documentaries about somebody that went through some type of, of illness, but in the midst of that, they were healed and they saw great victory. What is that, folks? That's us being drawn to the fire. That's all it is. We're drawn to the baptisma of fire. And folks, literally, and not the fact that they're consumed by it, but the fact that there's a victory in the midst of it. And what's, people, what's going, to people, going to draw people to your testimony and the word that God has for you is the fire of God emitting from you in the midst of your darkest times. Be that fire in the, in the middle of it. You know, we saw hundreds and hundreds of people come to the Lord Jesus Christ when Hurricane Katrina wiped out the city of New Orleans two years ago. It, why was that? Because what we did is we chose, even though we lost homes and we lost things and cars and all those type of things to the floodwaters of the broken levees, we chose not to be consumed by the circumstance, but we chose to be a light shining in the midst of the darkness. We chose to allow our light to shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father who was in heaven. And so when people would call us and they'd say, well, how are y'all doing? Are y'all okay? And we'd say, you know what? We're oppressed, but we're not crushed. We're persecuted, not abandoned. We're pressed down, but we're not destroyed. That God is doing miracles. We're seeing people come to Jesus. We're getting in the midst of these situations where people are hungry. We're feeding them. We're preaching the gospel. Folks are getting saved. We're going to the streets and we're, 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 we're being a light to the darkness and we're watching God do those type of things. Why? Because what we did is we took the fire and put it where it needed to be. Now, I want you to hear something out of Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Ezekiel 3, excuse me, 1, verses 3 and 4. Ezekiel chapter 1, 3 and 4, the voice of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel 1, 3 and 4. It says, The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the, seat of the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Shabar, that the hand of the Lord there was upon him. And he said, I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof was a color of amber out of the midst of the fire. And so, folks, listen. Your, your fire is what's going to cause... Your, your enemies to tremble. It's going to be what it is. And so when, when Ezekiel saw this, when he was, found himself confronted by this, this adversarial th- type of situation, he said, Behold, what do I see? He said, I see the fire of the Lord coming in, those, in, in the midst of those things, shining like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. And so your fire will cause your enemies to tremble. Now, I know that's tough sometimes, but the fire of the Lord always does that. I've shared a testimony about when we were in a couple years ago. We were in, uh, uh, actually a little over a year ago, we were in the, the Staten Island Ferry Station in, in New York City. And I was ministering to a guy that was a uh, very hostile individual. And as I was preaching the word to him, he threatened to kill me. Then he finally uh, uh, spit in my face. And rather than responding to that, I just continued to preach the gospel. He spit in my face again. And rather than once again responding to that or cowering or running off, I told him, I said, listen, I love you. And I said, if you, you can spit in my face all you want to. I said, but they crucified Jesus. And I began to share the love of God. And, and, and he got up and literally ran out of the place. And what the Lord spoke to me later was, listen, when we, when we do that, when we don't return evil with evil, what it does is he calls the fire upon their heads. And so what he did, he came in contact with the fire of the Lord through someone just walking in the character of Jesus rather than responding according to the flesh. And he trembled in, in the sight of the holiness of God. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 16 says this. 
Matthew 5, 10 through 16 says this. It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here's we are once again talking about that persecution. He said, Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, and speak all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. He said, here's your response in verse 12. He said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. He said in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor or its saltiness, he said, uh, Wherein how shall it be salted? He said, It's therefore no good for anything but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Then he says in verse 14, He said, You are the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. And he said, Let your light show sign before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Folks, verse 14 tells us something. It says that you are the light of the world. That word light is the word phos. If you want an English spelling of that Greek word, it's P-H-O-S. P-H-O-S, phos. And that word means a fire. You are the fire of the world. We have we get that word Greek, we use like phosphates and phosphorus. Those things are, are things that are derived that are that, that are they're ignited. If you have a if a phosphorus hand grenade, it's a hand grenade that, that emits a, 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 a blast of fire and it sends out these 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 red hot literally white hot embers. And so when a, when a, when when uh, when phosphorus burns, it doesn't burn yellow with any impurities. When phosphorus burns, it burns white hot, almost invisible. But it, it seems to be invisible. It seems to be you can't see it. But it, the heat is so hot that it, it literally consumes everything around it. And so he says, you are the phosphorus. You are that consuming element of fire under the world. And so, folks, the reason that they hate you, the reason that when you go to that family reunion and people don't want you around, or you go to that gathering of people that you used to hang out with and they don't like what's like you around, is because that you are like phosphorus. You are the phos. You are the fire that turns up the heat. And even though they don't see it coming, as soon as you begin to speak out your testimony, begin to share the gospel, boom! It's just like that, that fire comes out from your, 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 your words and it begins to consume those things that are around you. That's why you get persecuted. You get persecuted because you are the phosphorus agent of the Holy Spirit. You're like Him throwing a grenade into the midst of darkness and just emitting that, that, that blast of light that literally causes your adversary to be blinded and, and those that uh, they are around you that are walking in sin to, to really duck and to run for cover. But what God has for us is that. He wants us to be that light that shines in darkness that they might see the, the, the effects of that, 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 that they might glorify our Father which is in heaven. So when you rejoice in the midst of the fire, it causes your enemy literally to run and hide, and even to turn upon himself. I want, to, I want to read another scripture to you that is so neat. It's out of Judges chapter 7, verses 7 through 22. Judges 7, verses 7 through 22. Judges chapter 7, 7 through 22. I'll let you get there. And it says, The Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men, if you'll remember uh, Gideon's army, he started out with, what, 30,000? Cut it down to 300. Every time it cut it, it said there's just still too many, too, too many, too many, too many. Got down to 300. And, and you're thinking, well, what did they want those 300 for? Well, here, here it is. Here's those 300 men. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that, that lapped the water will I save you, and I'll deliver the Midianites into your hand, 
and let all the other people go, every man to his place. In other words, all those others, let them go. He said, because I've got something for those 300. And it says, so the people took victuals in their hand, or they took pots or, or pitchers in their hand, a pitcher being something you carry something in, and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of, his, uh, of Israel, every man to his tent, and he only retained those 300 men. And the host of Midian was beneath them in the valley. And it came to pass in the night. Where did it come to pass? In the, in the night. Folks, listen. Especially you guys that are called to ministry. Your, your victory is going to come in the night. If you're waiting for the day to rise and everything to get rosy and your circumstances all to line up before you're obedient to what God told you to do, you're going to be, you're, you know what you're going to be waiting on? You're going to be waiting on the next nightfall. What I've found is the pillar of fire only moves at night. It's that benign pillar of cloud that moves in the daytime. But the pillar of fire that, that God wants us to be baptized in, literally to be submerged in, to be baptized, uh, the baptisma, to be purged is, it, it, it only moves at night. It didn't move in the daytime. It's only made manifest in the night. And so it said, It came to pass uh, uh, in the same night that the Lord said unto him, uh, Arise and get down unto the host, for I have delivered it unto your hand. Your deliverance will come at your nightfall. And so the best thing to do is say, God, you know what? Go ahead, bring, put me in the midst of persecution, put me in the midst of darkness, whatever the situation is, because I know that's going to be my victory. My, my daughter Kayla is so cute. The other day we went and was looking at this place that we were going to, to go to on this past Sunday to set up as we do on weekends. It is just literally a, a beautiful place. And, uh, we saw, and I told her, I said, yeah, we're going to come back here tomorrow. And she said, man, I, I can't wait to go home and go to bed so the time will hurry and pass. <laughs> she just want night to hurry and come so the next day would come. And folks, listen, we need to say that to ourselves sometimes. God, bring me persecution. That way I can begin to see the victory. Rather than what we're doing is we're, we're trying to fight out of our darkness and hoping that, that day comes. But folks, listen, our victory, here's what he says, our victory is going to come in the night. And he said, rise, I've, he said, and get thee unto your host. He said, because that's where I've delivered thee under your hand. In verse 10 of Judges 7, he said, but, but, if, but if you fear to go, uh, to go down, he said, go there with fear of thy servant down to the host. And he said, you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, shall your hands be strengthened to go down to the host. And he said, they went down with, with Pura and his servant to the outside of the, the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Malachites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for a multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand and the sea of the multitude. And it says, in other words, all these people were there. Unbelievable numbers. I mean, their, their camels were so many you couldn't count them. The, the number of their armies was just astronomical. I mean, it was one of those situations where the, the numbers were just uh, insurmountable. You feel like you were just facing insurmountable odds. Does that sound familiar to anyone? You know, man, I like to wake up every day faced with insurmountable odds. God, how are we going to do this today? And he said, listen, I've handed them over to your hands. Well, praise God for that. I get to fire, follow the pillar of fire. And it says in verse 13, it says, When Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellows. He, he was hearing the dream of, the, the, of, the, the, of their enemy. And he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and it came unto a tent, and smote it that it fell, and overturned it, turned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered him and said, This is nothing else save the sword of the Gideon and the sons of Joash, a man of Israel. For in his hand God has delivered Midian and all the host. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation therein that he worshipped and returned to the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered you to delivered unto our hand the host of the Midian. Folks, listen to me. Our adversary is having a nightmare right now. Do you hear me? The adversary is having a nightmare because he knows the revelation of the dream that God has given him. 
that, that the adversary literally has been defeated that, 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 that at the cross of Calvary that he was, he was blasted of, of all of his power and all of his authority that, that he knows that his time is so very short he is having a dream and that dream has turned into a nightmare and he is seeing the manifestation of the sons of God showing up on the scene in power and in authority and he is saying that is nothing but the, 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 the Lord God of hosts and his children, and they are going to come, and they are going to topple us. And so the enemy already knows that we're coming in the midst of the darkness. And it goes on to say, and, uh, and it was that Gideon, after he heard these things, uh, interpretation that he worshipped and turned to the host of Israel, rise, the Lord has delivered us into his hand of Midian. In verse 16, and it says, He divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in each one's hand. Okay, what's what's that trumpet? That trumpet's indicative of, of the voice, of the of the testimony. And so he gave them all a testimony uh, in their hands with empty pitchers and with lamps within the pitchers. And so he gave them these pitchers, he gave them these these uh, these these uh, pots to carry things on, then he put lamp or he put the fire inside of that vessel. So he gave them a testimony, he gave them a trumpet, and he gave them fire inside of a vessel. And it says and he told them, he said, uh, he said, look on me, and he said, do likewise, and behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, you will do also. In other words, follow me as I follow Christ. When I blow the trumpet, and, and all that are with me, then you shall blow the trumpet every side of all the camp, and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had put newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hand to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they cried every man in his place round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow even throughout the host. And the host fled to Bethshethath and Zarethath and the border of uh, Melikoth and to Tabath. And so, folks, you see what happened there? He said, I want you to go with a testimony and with fire. Did they pull out? They didn't even have to unsheath their sword. All they did is went and they exposed the fire upon the mountain. And their adversary literally turned and began to kill themselves. Folks, listen. The, their declaration literally and the fire overwhelmed their adversary. Folks, listen. Your testimony... And the fire of God made manifest in the midst of your darkest place in your persecution literally will cause your adversary to run and hide. You showing forth that victory, you showing forth the power of God in the midst of that, allowing God to be your guide in that, is what it's going to do is going to cause your, your enemies to, 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 to run for cover and you're going to have the victory. Folks, listen, I've seen it so many times just in my personal walk and in, my, in the ministry that God has called Melly and I to and, and we with Raven Ministry. Man, when we maintained our testimony, maintained the fire of God in the midst of persecution, those that, that quote-unquote persecuted us on the outside, those were the ones that as we stood and maintained the steadfastness in Jesus and just continued to do what God had told us to, to continue to walk in obedience to the principles that He had established for us, our enemy ran for cover. They could not stand the presence of the Almighty God. Not unlike the young man in the Staten Island Ferry Station. Folks, when you allow... The, the manifestation of God's power and presence in your life in, in the toughest of times and the darkest of moments. 
Folks, that's when you're going to begin to see the victory. So what am I calling you to do? I'm calling you to take your trumpet. I'm calling you to take your pitcher full of fire and get up on the hill and declare the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and to declare the righteousness of God and the victory in the midst of whatever you're facing today, what you're going to be facing tomorrow, the next day, should the Lord Jesus uh, tarry, and go and possess what God has called you to possess. Romans 6, 4. He says, Therefore we are buried with Him in baptism by his, unto His death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Folks, the first part of that next verse that we're looking at, it says, uh, we are buried with Him by baptism unto death. It, literally, what it indicates is that every baptism, regardless of what the baptism is, whether it's a, the, the baptism of water unto repentance or the baptism in Christ unto His death, all those things are, have got to be accompanied by a burial. Those things, there's, there's got to be something submerged. There's got to be something that is covered up. There's got to be something that goes back into the ground. Because literally, folks, unless we're willing to, to die with Christ, we'll never live in Christ Jesus. What, what happens is, is the, the, the quote-unquote church has sold people a, a type of baptism or a type of salvation that doesn't require a burial of who they were. Folks, listen, to live in Christ means to, to die to yourself. You will never have a life in Christ Jesus unless you're willing to decrease and allow Him to increase. And the only way you're going you're gonna to decrease is to bury who you were and allow yourself to be resurrected in Christ Jesus. He tells us in Romans chapter 8, he said that the same Spirit that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you and to quicken your mortal body. Anything that was dead, because this, this mortality has got to pick up immortality. We've got to allow the works of the flesh to die and, and the works of the spirit man to arise into our life. And so when he gives that to bury means literally to be completely enveloped by something. And so if I'm if I'm buried in his death, I'm completely enveloped in every aspect of that. And so it's when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, you know, he, he knew that he was about to, to face death. And he said, Lord God, if there's any other way, he said, take this cup from me. He said, but not my will, but yours be done. Folks, listen. Even our very will has got to be buried with Him. And our will is our seat of emotions, our intellect, it's our desires, it's our passions. Everything that we want or we aspire to, listen, those things have got to be buried with Him uh, in the baptism of His death in order for, order for us to walk in the newness of His life and the victory that He has for us. And so that word buried, this is really interesting. You need to write this down too. That word buried, where it says we are buried, is actually only used two times in the entirety of the Scripture. So when he says we are buried with him by the baptism of death, there's only two times. It's, it's really a key to what it was. One time is obviously right there in Romans 6, 4. The second time is Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 10 through 15. I want to read that to you. Colossians chapter 2, 10 through 15. Uh, here's what it says. It says, We are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now if you'll remember from last week's teaching, we, got, we started dealing with principality and power. We started dealing with the RK and the uh, exousia. We started dealing with the, the, the origin of the beginning of things and the, uh, the power of the excuse. And so it says we are complete in him because he is the head of all of the origin of who we were, our old man, our old sin nature, and the excuses. And any excuse that we have to walk in the previous things that we were. And verse 11 says in Colossians chapter 2, it says, In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, here's that word, the only second time that's actually used in the whole of Scripture. Buried with Him in baptism, wherein 
Uh, you are also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. So in order to be raised with him, you've got to be buried with him. Verse 13 really solidifies that. It says, And you, and who? And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of the flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses. And so when I'm dead in my sins and the uncircumcision of my flesh, then it, it brings that quickening to me. It brings the, uh, forgiveness to me. Blotting out, and here's that scripture we talked about last week, blotting out the, the handwriting ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and it took away, nailing those things to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, the arche and the exousia, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, it being the cross. And see, so you see how all those things tie together. Folks, if we want victory over the sin nature, if we want victory over the, 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 our, 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 the root of who we were, that arche, and over the excuses, those things that are always talking us out of that same victory, what we've got to do is, is, is constantly find ourselves submerged in that baptism of fire. Allow the, ourselves to be purged of the old nature, the old things of our flesh, and see the, the victory that God has for us. So there he goes on to say, he says, Therefore we're buried with him in baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Now, I love this next part. Even so we should walk also in the newness of life. And I, I want to say this, and I've got just about enough time to kind of cover this for just a minute. When it, when it talks about uh, the, the newness of life, it doesn't re, uh, refer to some quality of experience in your life. So many times people are preaching this, 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 this gospel of, 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 of uh, I guess for lack of a better term prosperity and I, I hate to use that word prosperity uh, just solely in the sense of a, a monetary prosperity but it's almost like this, this, this gospel that's, that's preached is, is almost like it's, it's, a, it's promising you this, this blue skies folks listen he doesn't promise us this blue sky Christianity he promises us one that's going to have night it's going to have darkness but in the midst of the darkness there's going to be a pillar of fire I, I believe that God is a God that does provide that God does want to bring increase and provide uh, the resources to, to preach the gospel absolutely so I, I use that term prosperity gospel uh, very very loosely I don't believe it's to uh, to provide brand new Bentleys uh, for, for televangelists or anything I don't believe that's what the prosperity is for but it's, it's preached in a way that it's always just great and everything's wonderful and God's got such a wonderful plan and you'll never have to struggle that, that's not what it is again this newness of life is, is an expected behavior and so when he talks about even so we should walk in the newness of life it's not the, the quality or, or, or some great thing that, that we don't have to, have to go through anything we're just tiptoeing through some spiritual tulips but it's, it's what that literally means is he, he has for us he, that we should be expected that our behavior be consistent with the new nature that has been imparted unto us and so you can put that down as a different definition that we should walk in the newness of life it's the expectation that our behavior is consistent with the new nature that has been imparted unto us. So it's the expectation that our behavior is consistent with the new nature that has been imparted unto us. And so folks, listen. If I found myself uh, uh, walking in the newness of life, what am I going to find myself literally if I've truly been walking in the fire of God and the baptism, you know, I've been identified with the baptism of His death, uh, the submerged and allowed that dross to be purged, there's going to be an expectancy. I'm going to be walking in a consistent behavior that is indicative of that new nature that's been imparted unto me. And I want to cover that uh, in more detail today, uh, tomorrow because I don't have time today. Folks, we're out of time today. Uh, appreciate you being with me. Got one bit of advice today for you as, you as we go, and that is to get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you. See you tomorrow.